todo el mundo. This is Stacy Lane Wilson, author and editor of the Rock and Roll Nightmares book series and director of the films The Ventures, Stars on Guitars, and The Second Age of Aquarius. Rock and Roll Nightmares, the podcast, explores the dark and mysterious and sometimes funny side of music from the 60s, 70s, 80s, and beyond. But that's just a jumping off point. Think of it as a 45 record you bought for the hit you know and then going to the B-side and discovering something really cool and unexpected. On this lo-fi podcast for hi-fi people, I will be interviewing, sometimes by myself, sometimes with a co-host, musicians, authors, artists, and filmmakers. Enjoy! Today's guest is a multi-talented lady and a very good friend of mine, Brooke Lewis Bellis. We've collaborated on so many fun things, but one of the most recent projects is the sci-fi rock and roll comedy feature film that I mentioned a second ago, The Second Age of Aquarius. Welcome, Brooke. Stacy Lane Wilson, one of my beautiful besties. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, we're going to laugh and cry and have so much fun. And <laughs> before we do, I have to acknowledge you. Listen, Rock and Roll Nightmares podcast. What the what? And is there anything that you, my beautiful bestie Stacy, cannot do and do not do? So let me acknowledge you for all the listeners here. She is so multi-talented as well. It's one of the things that we love each other for and bond on outside of our personal relationship. This woman is unstoppable and is so creative in every way. Stace, thank you for sharing your creativity with me always, and you inspire me, and I'm so grateful that we get to not only be besties, but work together. Oh, well, I sound like you. You built me up a bit much. The only reason I really started this podcast was because I have absolutely nothing else to do. (laughs) (laughs) All the listeners, like total, like full disclosure, spoiler alert, even before we just started recording, like Stacey and I are like, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm up in 15 hour days producing, acting, doing voiceovers, auditions, you know, and media and everything else. It's like nutballs. And so is Stacey. And of course they're going to mow the lawn right now. Let me shut the, the, the screen <laughs> okay. door here yeah. in my office in my freaking home but um truly like there is nothing that there's nothing <laughs> there's nothing that you and I 
don't do. And know, right? even right. And even like for all the people who have experienced Hollywood here, you know, for all the no's and all the slam doors in our faces, like we, it's a Virgo thing. I mean, we are truly yeah. tenacious, right. And we don't give up and we our souls. And that's another thing we just bond on have to be creative, Stacey and I. And so we make it work, man. And we really do. And kudos to you for another venture. <laughs> Pun intended. So <laughs> Indeed. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, to, to those who uh, only know you superficially, unlike myself, <laughs> you are known as a sci-fi siren, a scream queen, um, the creator of Ms. Vampy the Vampire. Um, so, I, you know, the role of Tawny Stevens in Aquarius is a little bit different from you. Um, you know, when, when my uh, co-writer Darren Smith and I wrote her into the script. She was just basically a voice on the phone. So I love how you collaborated with Darren and I to bring her character to life. So can you tell our listeners who Tani is and how you kind of created her from the inside out and why you like playing her? 1000% to all of it. And so let me just say to the listeners, like, and I love, I want to, cause we, we talk real talk, Stacey and I, and we're going to talk real talk with you guys too. Like, you know, Stacey, obviously, like she said, knows me inside and out and knows my passions and knows my weaknesses and knows my upsets in the industry, you know, from New York to Hollywood. And so I truly look, I am so blessed and grateful to have had the scream queen, you know, moniker or, title bestowed upon me years ago. It's one of the first things that Stacey and I met upon and mm -hmm. bonded on, you know, our horror world, but we also bonded on our mainstream media worlds and our mainstream love of films and such. And so it's so funny how I've been in this industry as a professional working actress, especially, and then producer for 25 years. And wow. so, right. And so like, it's so it's always so interesting. And you and I talk about this off air to what we become quote unquote known for. Right. And so I have just totally gravitated toward the films that I loved as a kid growing up, which we'll get into and the scream queen stuff and the horror and sci-fi stuff, 100%. But I started my professional career at 21 years old in New York off Broadway, Tony and Tina's wedding. I did that show, you know, the mobster comedy for uh, three years, seven shows a week. And so those are the roles why I bring it up to segue to the second age of Aquarius that I truly, truly love. And listen, I'm a character actress. I may be, and I humbly say this because I don't think it anymore, but back in the day, you know, they called me the sexy character actress. It is the character roles that as an, a trained New York actor, I love so much that fill me up creatively. And Stacy knows this. So of course she's so skilled in writing me the most amazing roles that I can sink my teeth into. And so I miss those fun, funny, quirky, character -y roles that I used to play in New York, like in Tony and Tina's. And I was given the opportunity to do it in another comedy not so long ago at, um, when I got to do, oh my God, my brain is like a total brain fog right now. I'm like skipping around all over the place, but um, half new year, half new year that Drew McEnany, who will also mention shout out to is, yes. has a role right in the second age of Aquarius. So he wrote me the Pam DeLuca role there. So I just love these. So when Stacy had had a conversation with me and I remember, and to share with the listeners who are the filmmakers, you know, she had the film financed, then lost some of the financing things like with so many projects 
projects go in circles and ebb and flow. And I remember we were doing a signing at Dark Delicacies. Shout out to our second home, Dark Delicacies, Del and Sue. We were doing a signing, right, of Stacey's other creative idea, Shevenge, which has become amazing, both as a charity donation project and also a film, which is an incredible anthology for those Shevenge, women revenge, like horror lovers and thriller lovers. Shout Uh out to Psychotherapy. So (laughs) I remember the moment to share that we're sitting in dark delicacies and you know, let me say this too. Stacy's one of my best friends. I'm like an emotional basket case. I'm like, I wear my emotions like on my sleeve and cry a lot and scream a lot. Stacy is the most even keeled, calming force <laughs> that I can't, I don't even know what else to say. Like, I thank God for you and my friends like you in my life because you're so calm and you're sharing with me. And I will remember that like you were upset. You were really upset and disappointed. And I felt so awful. I was like, oh, wow. I Like this is a real true passion project of Stacey's because I can feel her disappointment. And we talked about it. And the first thing I said was, oh my God, I'm so glad that you discussed this with me. And I had had a recent opportunity to to partner with a couple other like small investment, this one company that we brought in that I connected Stacy with for some small financing. And then I was able to put a bit of money in. And so of course, with me staying committed to what I do as an actress producer, and that's I have to act in it. And there mm-hmm. were no, you know, roles originally that were suited for me other than you said to me that day, well, you know what? There is the voiceover of the mom of the lead Alberta. And, you know, we could embellish that. And so segueing back to your question. So I said, send me the script because for me, and Stacy's the first to attest to this, it is all about the script. It's all about the screenplay. It's all about the writing for me beyond being about working with incredible people who, and that is such a commitment of mine going forward. We have to work with people who respect and honor one another, who support each other's creativity and their strengths. And so Stacy sent me the script that very next day and said, I have a couple ideas here so we can embellish it. And first of all, it was the first time I'd read the script and it was just Perfect. It was exactly the type of script. So shout out to you and Darren Gordon Smith that I gravitate toward outside of horror, the kind of script that made my heart sing literally and figuratively that bring me back to the ones, the indie micro-budgeted films that that were the festival darlings. When I first started out, you know, early on, the late 90s in New York, you know, mid to late 90s, right out of college, when those films like The Brothers McMullen and then, you know, cut to like Welcome to the Dollhouse, Todd Salons, like, you know, I'm very much into those heartfelt, low-budget indies with I say art and heart, you know, and creativity Mm -hmm. and uniqueness. And that is what the second age of Aquarius has. And so I fell in love with the script. Stacey and I had a meeting about it. She's like, here's an idea. I'm like, well, okay, so this is brilliant. And if Alberta's originally from New Jersey, you know, who knows Philly and Jersey more than me, you know, and we can do this, (laughs) we can do this. And this fits right into the universe of the space that I love to act and play in as a character actress. And what I also had been committed to with my reps in Hollywood here is opening up to the, the roles of playing like a young mom, these young mom roles that Hollywood didn't give me the opportunity to step into just yet, you know, because I'm still playing sometimes like the late 30s, you know, and some playing, you know, t- mid, you know, 10 years younger than I am, you know, and so I 
really had this opportunity to step into a role that I wanted to that suited everything that I love. And so here we are with Tawny Stevens. So Stacey and Darren embellish this role for me, create like a supporting role as Tawny Stevens, the ex sort of wannabe, but was, and you'll learn so much more about that in the book that we will talk about later and be releasing. And so she is the ex, right? The ex video vixen and hysterical, but the comedic kind from New Jersey that brings Stacey and I back. And listen, I mean, I was, I was a young girl in the early eighties. I mean, I was just entering my teens. Right. And so, but I was, that was the best era. And I know we'll talk about that too, but like the, that video vixen and rest her soul, like Tawny Katane, those beauties, those rocker beauties with the big Jersey Aquanet hair and the, (laughs) right. And the fashion that Stacy loves so much and the fishnets and the, and laying on the cars and like, you know, I mean that my first car and Stacy and I bond on cars too oh, yes. was right. It was like a Camaro, a red Camaro. And so <laughs> and that was more the, 80s than that. It really doesn't. And that was the very late eighties for me. And so or late eighties, early nineties, really. And so all of the love of that we implemented and embellished input into this role. Thank you. And of course, Stacey knows my personality so much and what I love and that, you know, and it's funny because of course I opened the conversation when we were off air with, hi, honey, you know, and it's, (laughs) (laughs) it's the roles I love so much. So thank you so much. So that is, and so that is that. And I we could talk a million years about the second age of Aquarius that I am so proud. We just had our world premiere at Zed Fest. Thank you so much. And it is just such a sweet, fun, beautiful piece. And I got to do the comedy that I love. And thank you for believing in me for that. And these two leads from Christina Kalf to Michael Ursu, these genius young, you know, they're not even that young, but they're younger than me. And I got to play Alberta's young mom. And, and really it was so perfect casting too. So there's so much more I love about it, but I will shut up and turn the floor back to you. Uh, Well, I do want to touch on how, you know, she was not really to be seen originally in the script. She was just going to be a voiceover role, but we got to actually have you on camera for it. And Allison and you came up with three distinct, really cool looks for Tawny. So can you talk about how you guys crafted that together? Oh my gosh. Well, obviously we always defer to our director. So let's shout out to Allison Noel, my makeup artist, who's phenomenal. And we defer to the director, which was Stacy. And so we kind of, I think all collaborated together with your vision and, mm-hmm. you know, Stacy and I, and again, I'm laughing because we'll talk about the book later. I'm super excited that, you know, we get to always walk down. I think this is something to we bond on. And I've always said to Stacy, she grew up here in Hollywood, you know, and she was a real Hollywood kid. And I was a total Philly, Jersey, New York kid going up to the clubs in New York and stuff in Center City, Philly. And so Stacey and I always go down memory lane with the fashion of the 80s and the glamour. And so you're talking about the big hair, the teased hair and the, you know, fuchsia and pink lips. Right. Right. And keeping in the theme, being creative as we do of the video vixen, the leopard pants. I had to have leopard pants in one scene. (laughs) 
And then Stacy had this great idea for, oh my gosh, again, not too many spoiler alerts, but we have to talk about it. The like rocker shirts of the eighties that were so hot. And mm-hmm. so we found online the ACDC and the, the rocker shirts to like crop and cut and really create it. And then, oh, I had this like fabulous fashion flare leather crop jacket and funky flare skirt that we put on and, and put together for for Nana's funeral in the opening scene. <laughs> <All right. laughs> so God, did we have fun. And so there, and then again, I can't spoil alert too much, but, you know, doing also shout out to Metal Babe Mayhem and my clothing line that I was branded with years ago, which is very much rocker horror. So we chose to sort of support that and do product placement with Metal Babe Mayhem and our Rock Your Hot Mess shirts for one of the scenes where yes. Tawny is working out with her hair in a side ponytail, which I used to wear my hair in a side ponytail all the time when I was a kid. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, and again, Stacy truly is a, you know, like a fashion icon and we both love period pieces. And in some way, this is a period piece for us. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, definitely nostalgia driven with our character, Russell Aquarius, who, for those who don't know yet, he is a, he's a resurrected rock star who died in 1970, brought back by your daughter, Alberta, who's a computer programmer, as an avatar. So it's kind of like the odd couple meets Oliver Stone's The Doors meets Weird Science. 100%. <laughs> to me, I favor the Weird Science, you know, comparison, just because of the heart and fun and silliness. Um, Now let's get into the book that you touched on a little bit. Um, You know, as you mentioned, you are a producer on the second age of Aquarius and we're so grateful for you because you bring a lot to the table in terms of creativity um, in marketing. And one of the things that Darren and I had already kind of thought of, which you helped us out with is, um, you know, unlike, movies that are just one thing, we have several components. Um, So Darren wrote a 1960s sounding score with original songs. And plus we have that companion book, Sex, Death, Rock and Roll, the Russell Aquarius edition. Um, So, you know, for the book, you and I collaborated on a short story that goes more into Tawny's backstory. So can you address the importance of world building when it comes to promoting a film these days from the producer's point of view, because, you know, as we've often lamented, it is hard to stand out these days as an indie production. Perfect way to describe it. And, you know, for all the filmmakers out there, and thank you so much for your acknowledgement, Stacey, about producing and executive producing. And, you know, man, we learn to the nature of the low budget indie film world, and it's changing drastically. And I think that's one thing that it was projected and predicted to change. But when the pandemic hit, it went lightning speed. And so it's interesting, you know, and I'm so thankful to be a part of the book and be able to collaborate. And Stacey's the writer here. Stacey and Darren are the writers. And Stacey's obviously, as we all know, a super talented multi-author, you know, novelist. I am not, but I thank you for saying I do have creative ideas, which I love to entertain and participate. And so I was gifted this opportunity to write this short story with Stacey in the book. 
book and, and we had so much fun brainstorming together. So we'll talk about that, but why as a producer, I think the marketing and the value of these additional products is, you know, if you rewind and I've been producing as, I don't even know if people know my Philly Chick Pictures company for really almost so 20 years at a real professional level come 2022. And in some ways we've had to revert back to the old ways of, and real filmmakers will know this, like the ancillary, you know, products. And when you would package everything with additional products to help the film promote and make some money back Mm -hmm. and in a very right. And now you're kind of having to go that route again with indie films, such as the second age of Aquarius. Number one, it's so creative that it allows for all the additional product and sales. So that's number one that can go famously with any kind of hard copy DVD that anyone may purchase as a set you know, but here's why the promotion on the production, like side is more important than ever. And that is how does an indie film stand out? There is fact. And I sit in my producers virtual workshops every week, there is more content out right now than ever. And I will quote some of the biggest producers in Hollywood right now who I've been watching who inspire me, these powerhouse women producers and men, And even last week I was doing a workshop and, you know, this is what they say. There is so much content out there and so much good content out there, but you can no longer be good in this indie film world. You have to be great. And what creates greatness, but continued creativity and that continued creativity to promote your product comes from the books, comes from promoting on Stacey's new podcast, comes from Darren's music compilation and so on and so on and so on. And so it is something additional that will help our product stand out amongst the millions of other indie films that will land only on streaming now, not for the lack of of quality and creativity, but for the lack of distribution space to even put a film in a theatrical or limited theatrical release like I had back in the day with Sinatra Club or some of my bigger budgeted films. There's no way an indie film can even afford financially to place themselves right in that position in 2022. So we are forced in some ways. And then it's a choice. And we choose Stacey and I, again, are unstoppable. And we keep thinking of creative ways to think outside the box. And that's what you're really doing in this space right now. And so all of that is so important along with, let me say, and we both have a love hate with social media, but, (laughs) and let's full disclose. In fact, recently, you know, spoiler alert or private alert, you know, I, Stacey and I had a meeting and we were talking and hanging out and we were discussing, I was actually discussing, you know, my upset and frustration with as a producer, especially when you've got products out and I'm killing myself to promote it often alone or with one or two other people involved in the project. And I shared my feelings with Stacy about this. And she actually enlightened me and said, you know, I have found that frustration myself, if I may speak for you, like, right. I found that frustration myself. Like, what is it with actors? And I find too, sometimes with crew that they're so behind the project at the very onset. And then once it's distributed and it is the most relevant time for us to all be pimping it out and promoting and doing social media with it and promoting one another. And yet 
radio silence. And so I stand behind that, how important it is for all of these things. But let me just wrap that up. And then I want to give you the floor to add to that. Let me say this for the listeners, because it's so true. My authentic artistic soul, no matter how much I am, and we all know I'm so about, like Stacey said, the superficial show of the industry and putting it, but in a positive way, putting it out there, you know, staying relevant, doing endorsement deals, all of that. But for me, and again, this is where Stacey and I truly bond that and Darren and Nancy too, shout out to Darren Gordon-Smith, you know, and Nancy Long and and all of us and and Nina Herton, our editor, you know, it's a project like this is really about the truth and authenticity and about the art. You don't do something like this for the money or because you, you know, you're going to get to Sundance Film Festival, or, you know, it's going to be on HBO chances of that are like 0.001% with any film at a micro budget, right? Yeah. So you do it because you love it. You believe in it. Your heart sings when you are involved in creating this in every way. So that's really in the end, why we do this and what we do in a project like the second age of Aquarius is to share the love of, and I, and I hope I've been able to support that. Like Stacey said, her love of that era and Darren's love of the music that was so much fun back then. And we're trying to share that to make the world a happier place now after such a tough, challenging time with COVID. It couldn't be better. And just a shout out for the listeners to know too, we, in fact, we filmed my scenes early on in October, right? October, November, right? Before we even shot the rest because I had to go away to do a TV pilot in Reno, Nevada. I did the stripped pilot with Casper Van Dien and et cetera. Mark Klebanoff directed. And so we shot my scenes like so early on, like I think the beginning of November in 2019, guys. So that's what it takes. And that's the commitment it takes to bring something like just this to fruition. So why not put everything you have into bringing it out to the world? I couldn't agree with you more. Yes, it is a, a long haul operation. So if you don't love what you're doing, you'll be in misery for the next few years at least. <laughs> uh, well, I want to kind of pivot to something uh, in your past, which is really fun. Uh, one of your lesser known credits as a video vixen for Mega Death. <laughs> now, I remember loving Dave Mustaine's long strawberry blonde hair back in the 80s and but I've known you for years and years and I only recently found out about that so uh tell us how it happened and what was that experience like so you know I was thinking a lot about this question Stacey had and I had talked about this off air too and um in thinking a lot about this you know and I want to give an acknowledgement and kudos to you again and to myself and again it might be a crazy Virgo thing but like (laughs) you know we really don't stop Stacey and I and like we do you know it's so interesting I want to just bring this to the audience attention like when you do as much as we do, and in so many different arenas, you know, I mean, Stacy as a writer, director, producer, podcaster, TV host, I, I mean, media writer, everything, you know, reviewer, I mean, you name it, you do it, right? right. And, and I have been, I mean, an actress from Broadway to network sitcoms, to horror, to sci-fi, to indie, to, you know, and a producer, an executive producer, and a co-producer, and the list, and, and an author. And it's, we do so much. And sometimes it's so interesting to me because when you are spread around like this, we do so much that like people, there's, first of all, there's really no way 
for people to know or even learn, including our best friends of all we have done. And then like, there's things I forget because I've been doing this at a professional level since I'm like 21 years old. I forget sometimes even my past and all I've done is forget <laughs> to share it right yeah. with my friends. So thank you for giving me this opportunity to share this. And when Stacy and I, a while ago, were talking about video vixens and I'm like, oh, did you know? And she's like, what? So- <laughs> I will make this story short, but I was an aspiring actress very young in college. I was doing a lot of theater, you know, before anything else and a lot of equity theater and stuff. And then I, gosh, I mean, we're going back in the day and we're talking like, oh my God, what am I talking again? Like mid nineties. Like, so I'm 21 years old, finishing college, whatever. And there was a magazine still is, and there's now the online version, obviously digital version called Backstage. There was Backstage East and Backstage West separately. So the one in New York was Backstage East, obviously. Mm -hmm. So I used to get and read and pick up at the newsstand, you know, Backstage. So I pick it up. That's how we found out about auditions back then. This is even, I think, before I had an agent, I was that young. And I see an audition looking for (laughs) sexy rocker vixens who can dance for a, so it's through MTV. It is for a MTV's Night of the Living Megadeth Halloween <laughs> special. Okay. And this is like, oh my gosh, it's like 1994. My God, I'm like dating myself here. So like 1994, 1995. Um, so it was that special in conjunction with the Megadeth music video for, I couldn't even remember this. I had to look it up. It was the the Reckoning Day was their new album release, the Reckoning Day. Uh-huh. So, right. So they're like, come up. It's like, you know, you have to submit your headshots and then we'll call you if we want you to come up. So and I'm living like in Philly at the time. This before I moved to New York, Philly and Jersey. So I get, I get a call from the cast. I send a headshot up. I get a call from the casting and they're like, come up. Auditions are Tuesday. Fine. So I go up and you have to dance and you get a personality interview and all that stuff. So I do. So two days later, I get a call. You've been cast. So here's what is, and I'm, you know, Stacey knows I'm very spiritual and some of the listeners who know me will know I'm very spiritual. And I do believe as challenging as life has been for me and us and Stacey and I, and a lot of the world, you know, everything that's meant to be does happen in divine timing. I'm going to cry. I'm going to get really emotional. So you know, and I look back and I know we're all aging and I'm very emotional since the pandemic, like because of so much death and sadness and like, I'm just trying to really live in gratitude. And I look back at all these, um, thank you for letting me talk about this experience because I forgot about it. It's so long ago. And I'm so grateful for these amazing experiences as an actress, as a performer over many years. And so I go up and I'm saying this because this is pre-Brooke Lewis Bellis Scream Queen, aka Brooke Lewis Scream Queen, as most of you know me as. And so listen to this. So I go, so the the cast director calls and says, we cast you in both the video and the Night of the Living Megadeth. You'll have to come up twice and film both and you'll be on the show on MTV and it will air Halloween. They film it like two nights before Halloween night. It'll air Halloween night. You'll be dancing Uh with Megadeth. Great. Wow. How does one dance to Megadeth? (laughs) Head banging. (laughs) Head banging bitches, right? So, and it's so funny because I was like such a soft rock girl, you know, I wasn't even like a hardcore rock girl. But like, okay, I'm in. I can dance. I'll do anything you want. But here's the kicker. Foreshadowing. Talk about spirituality. So they're, the casting is casting. They get you on the phone with wardrobe and they're casting the what you will be costumed as. And lo and behold, they costume me as the sexy vampirus. Wow. 
right? Okay, now, guys, I didn't become known as a scream queen or a horror person, you know, entity until really like 2007, the year I came out after doing a big horror film, Kinky Killers on Showtime, 2007, we shot, 2006, 2007. So look how I'm talking years prior, right? Like 10 years prior. So the way the universe works, it's crazy. So long story long, I go up, I dance, I get there placing me. I'm standing next to Megadeth. I'm on MTV with, at the time, the VJ. Remember back in the day, yes. the VJ says, oh my gosh, for all them to be lovers. So the VJ was Kennedy. She was badass. I got to meet oh, her. Yeah. I got to, right? It was so much fun. And, you know, an opportunity like that, I didn't know it back then, but look at the foreshadowing again, but it gave me a credit on my resume when I was super young. It led me, oh my gosh, I then went to go on to dance for Club MTV, uh, the grind show briefly when I moved up to New York like a year or two later. And it gave me the confidence that I could do this and I could be, you know, cast in something at this level. And it was extraordinary. So I'm very grateful. I am grateful too. Otherwise, you may not have, have been Ms. Vampy and we wouldn't have met. So it all worked out. <laughs> it all worked out. And there's so many fun, you know, stories. Like I know we talked before and said, like, let's make this fun. And, you know, we're always going to have fun when we're talking and going down our memory lane. And so, you know, again, and I'll leave it to you, but I've had these crazy, I've done some other music videos over my career and some just stepped into for dear friends. And, you know, Susan Lanier Bramlett is, you know, like my other soul sister. And I got to be cast years later, of course, in her music video that she did watch what you ask for. And it was sort of a little bit of a tribute to the Hills Have Eyes. And it was Susan Lanier Bramlett, Michael Berryman as the stars, and myself, again, playing a sexy vampirist. I was Michael Berryman's little vampire assistant. So that was a music video for one of her music videos that we did in like 2012 or 13. I mean, it's, it's surreal. It is really surreal. Yeah. And Suze, you know, you mentioned her, she was in the Hills Have Eyes and also Welcome Back Cotter. And she's a musician. Uh, you know, she, so music and horror seem to kind of go hand in hand. Why do you think that is? That is really an interesting question. And I absolutely agree with you. So I think that there is something very you know, raw about horror, especially the the gritty underground, like real raw horror that Stacey and I know quite well. I mean, you'd probably be, listeners would be blown away by your knowledge for sure. And mine as well. I think they would be kind of shocked. And so there's something very raw and there's something very um, like the freedom around whether it's censorship or whether it's just the opportunity to sort of create in a way where you're not sort of like locked into this mainstream perception, I think. And so the, a lot of, I think the horror actors, performers, I mean, directors too, you know, a lot of them do have like rock bands, metal bands. I think there's a stylized situation when it comes to both rock and horror. I think there's a dark, sexy energy around it that other music genres don't have. So mm -hmm. I think it kind of allows for a real crossover, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, and, you know, I feel like people are still feeling the beat of the music of the 80s and maybe the early 90s. Um, you know, it still resonates with people who were there, but also millennials and Gen Z who weren't even born yet, probably. So why do you think that is that that music from that particular era still 
stands the test of time. You know, that is such a cultural question and answer. And again, you know, part of the reason, shout out again to the second age of Aquarius that I can't wait for the viewers to see it because it's so intelligent, so smart, so deep what Stacey and Darren created with the generational and, and the crossover of generations. And so that's what music and movies allow for. And the 80s and 90s in particular, Stace, I think in my humble opinion, you know, we came off of such a, a while and I wasn't even like, well, I was born in the mid seventies. I wasn't even alive yet really, but like from what I understand, such a wild movement, right. Of the seventies mm -hmm. and then the, and it was really wild and, and war and a little dark that the eighties sort of lent itself to this freedom, this, this for me. And again, I was so young, but like I was, you know, a teenager enough to have been able to experience the eighties. And like, there was this freedom and fun and life. Lightness. And same thing, I think, into the early 90s, where I really was a teenager, like, you know, freedom and fun and, and expression and like this bouncy light from the soft rock to the bands. And I think all the girl bands, I mean, you and I are so much about girl power and female empowerment, all these girl bands and the go-go's and the, and, the, um, the oh my God, who did, yeah. the bangles. Thank you. Yeah. One day. Like, Oh, exactly. And like these, these, it, came, it became this like girl power era and the style and the fashion, and it never went out of style. I mean, you and I still look at me. I live in my freaking flash dance sweatshirts, everyone, like nobody's <laughs> business, right? Every yeah. chance I get, I got the off the shoulder. Cause to me, that was the video vixen fun sexiness, but also comfort and light and love and joy. And like, innocence there was like an innocence about it you know in the the valley girl and the this the language and i was east coast so but we it trickled from the valley to us you know and something very celebratory and god i'm like getting chills like reliving it now because it really was my most joyful time yeah i think that's you know a lot of people came of age then and i think you know younger people today look back on that and feel like they wish they could have experienced that time before cell phones, before social media, before all these things that are so, um, I don't know, it's like a, an electronic leash on, on younger people today that we didn't really have back then. 100%. There is so much pressure in every way from just, and I feel it, you know, Stacey knows. And again, I'm always open. Like I get massive anxiety, my nervous system, just, which already is, is challenged, like yeah. tweaks out because there's so much coming at us at lightning speed. And that's a great, you know, statement to make about the digital era and streaming films and iTunes music and Spotify. And I feel like every minute of every day, there is something coming at us digitally. And Stacey and I laughed about this. When we recently talked about this, like, even though we're a bit older than the young generation right now, you know, like we actually are kind of proud of ourselves and how we've learned to adapt to this lightning speed of everything. But it also causes a lot of stress. Whereas I think when I was young and dancing around at the at school dance, dancing around to Cindy Lauper and girls just mm -hmm. want to have fun, right? And watching those movies, girls just want to have fun that went like hand in hand with it. There was something so, again, I said it before, freedom and celebratory. And you just 
you could just feel free to dance and not care what you look like and, and be fun and crazy. And I just feel like there's a component of that that is missing in life right now. I don't mean to be a Debbie Downer right here, right now. (laughs) Like I wish that the younger generation could step into that and experience that. And I don't know if they ever will, but I pray that one day this judging ourselves and, you know, it, Ms. Vampy coaches teen girls, right? Like, so I try to instill that in younger women and younger people that, you know, it's not about that. It's about truth and integrity and and we're all guilty of this. I'm guilty of this as a grown ass woman, like, you know, but stop comparing yourself to others and the filters on social media. And we're all guilty of it, but stop everyone. Like try to find joy in the moment because we just learned life is really freaking short. Indeed we did. And now I'm going to bring it down even further because that's what I do. (laughs) (laughs) The eighties was such a deadly decade. (laughs) I want to talk about that. I mean, because there was also that, that flip side to the joy and the freedom. I mean, that we had the AIDS epidemic, uh, John Lennon kicked off the decade by getting murdered. Uh, you know, there was this panic phenomenon, (laughs) but I kind of want to talk about, you know, those turbulent times do often produce some of the best entertainment related art. So what are some of your favorite darker books, pop songs, or horror movies from the eighties and nineties? Okay. So, I mean, we would have a a whole episode just around this question alone, Stace. And I think it's wonderful that you touched on it again, going back to the era. So, so shout out, of course, and you and I always talk about this stuff. I mean, both Stacey and I, and I was like in high school, like became the, I must've, I must've gotten a book off my mom's shelf and we both grew up with single moms. And so freaking Jackie Collins, man. I mean, Jackie Collins is one of both our icons, idols, talk about again, I'm going to say it again, you know, back to a women's movement and an empowerment for women when she was like crucified, talk about dark, right? Yeah. And we both watched her, her, um, whatchamacallit, her- Yeah, on, the documentary that's- Thank you. Uh-huh. Correct. Yeah. The documentary, Brain Fog. So, and it was brilliant. And so we both love her, but man, she was like crucified for stepping in. So that was pretty dark, you know, and her books, like shout out to- beyond, you know, Lucky and Lady Boss are my favorites, but Rockstar we talked about, right? Uh-huh. It was one of your favorites too. Yes. So like those were, they were, and they were dark and they actually taught me talking about segueing back to the industry. Like I was back East as a young girl in high school, you know, wanting and having this dream of being an actress and living in Hollywood one day and reading these books that were like, yes, sexy and steamy, but also kind of tragic and sort of gave you a perception of what the Hollywood industry can be like. And man, Stacy, and shout out to God bless, you know, Bunny Bacon, her mom in heaven, like, you know, you guys taught us so much about how tragic the industry can be. And you in your books go back to that era as well. So it really did have some darkness alongside the sex appeal and the, you know, mystery of Hollywood and going over to, well, wait, I have to, before I do anything, and I'm sorry, I have to go jump an era, but not really, because this will address this era as well. I must shout out to the listeners. If you have not heard, I have to thank Stacy for being the one to share this with me this year. Stacy and I were both honored 
And I, I still pinch myself every day. This book, speaking of books, sits on my desk in my office at home. And I'm still in shock but that I'm in it. But Stacey and I were honored in the 1,000 Women in Horror from 1895 to 2018. Uh-huh. Thank you, yeah. right? With all our heart, Alexandra yeah. Nicholas, my goodness. So Stacy hits me up one day. She's like, you didn't tell me about this. Did you know about this? I'm like, I didn't know about this. <laughs> Surprise to us. Talk about a freaking honor. So everybody needs to get this book. It's sitting on my desk. I am beyond honor. We are beyond honored. It's like amongst women, like, oh my God. And speaking of era and from Joan Collins to Elizabeth Taylor, to Elvira, to Yvonne DiCarlo and the, uh, Karen Black, the list goes on. And a lot of our beautiful peers that are talented as hell. So there you have that. So I have to shout out to that book, but it also talks about 1895 to present, which covers a lot of this era as well. And back to movies and music, I mean, movies and Stacey and I laugh and Stacey and I both individually, funny enough, did like our own mini marathons with our significant others, you know, during Halloween season. And I have to go back to the movies that I love that you know, were sort of mainstream back then, but have become cult classics now from mm-hmm. some of my favorites. I mean, God bless Jamie Lee Curtis is one of my all-time greats. And like Prom Night, Prom Night from the 80s is one of my favorite films to this day. I love you know, that and, one. And it features uh, David Copperfield of all people. Oh, <laughs> you how know, like funny. Some, doing some dark magic. And, you know, it's just such a great film, a little curio that it was popular then. And then it kind of went away. And I think it's uh, sort of an underground cult classic now. Really one of my favorites from then, one of my horror favorites, because for me, it had a story and it had heart in it. By the way, I got to go hang out backstage with David Copperfield in Las Vegas many years ago. That's a whole other story for another episode. But speaking of magic and David, he was lovely. And yes, I was backstage hanging like a rock star. But um, Prom Night for me are the films I love because of the story. And recently, Stacey and I were back and forth like texting about the films we watched for Halloween. I got to give a shout out to Hell Night, baby. Hell Night, another great <laughs> Linda Blair, another yes. one of my Scream Queen icons. Go, Linda Blair, who I've done the horror conventions with when I was blessed to be relevant, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And she's amazing. So, and Peter Barton, who we all had a crush on, ladies, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and who, was it, who else was in that? One of the Van Pattens. I was know. It, I Vince? I, I did watch it a few years back. I revisited it. And uh, yeah, I'm drawing a blank right now, too. I think it might have been really, Vince. Vince I think, I think, oh, yes, I think you're right. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh and he's God. like, in a, he's in like a sex scene in bed. But anyway, I mean, but the, <laughs> that was like my jam. And then another shout out last but not least, we talked about this recently at Halloween, too, from that era, The Fun House. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Toby Hooper movie. Yes. And so for anyone who is a true blue, like I am a true blue original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, original fan, then you got to see the fun house if you haven't. To me, it is truly, again, one of the like cult classic greats from the 80s. And it has a message too, like you were saying, a lot of the programming from then, you know, it's kind of sad, you know, it's kind of got the little heart to it as well. Yep. And that's why we need, I mean, especially, and, and, you know, it's funny. I mean, Stacey and I, we've worked together so many times. We've really never gotten to do a real gritty, like full horror film 
together, which is so funny. We've done psychotherapy as a psychological thriller that I love. And we've done now the second age of Aquarius with, you know, sci-fi comedy music. Um, and we did, I did your keepsakes short years ago. Mm-hmm. That was like, you know, right. based on your book. And so we've never really gotten to work together and maybe we'll have to do that one day, but um, that's why we need writers like you to write smart work you know, and maybe we'll have to make a film based on one of your books, because I, I just think that that is what is missing. There is so much crap horror out now. And that's why I think people don't respect it as much as they used to. And like for old people like us, no disrespect. <laughs> and, and some of the listeners, you know, your elders, you're like, you know, I don't know, man, horror was smart back then. Like shout out to another one of our associates and friends, Greg Lamberson, who I've worked with many times as an actress and co-producer and executive producer now on Guns of Eden, like, you know, Slime City Massacre, which I know the title is so wacky. And when he first hit me up, when I first became a known scream queen in like 2007, and he hit me up with this, this cult classic Slime City that he did in 1988. And then we had this opportunity to do the sequel in 2008. And we ended up shooting in 2009 and I was a co-producer on it and acted in it with Debbie Rashawn and Lloyd Kaufman and Keelan Patrick Burke and so many of Stacey Nye's associates. And so I bring it up because, you know, even a title like that, like Slime City, Slime City Massacre, that's like a wacky title. People were like, Brooke, you know, you just came off of Showtime's Kinky Killers, right? You just came off of Eye Murders on Stars and like, you're going to go do Slime City Massacre. And when I read the script, you know, Greg's such a great writer, like you are, you're both novelists, you know? And so like, the subtext was really intelligent and really on the page. And like, you know, it's that kind of stuff that I gravitate toward and we need more of well-written horror stuff because a lot of it's crap. Yeah, it can be, but, um, you know, that's the good thing about having a, a great deal of choice today. You know, it can be overwhelming at times, but then again, you can find the gems among the, crap <laughs> for yep, lack of a better absolutely. word <laughs> absolutely yeah and, you ha- and sometimes unfortunately you really have to look hard you know because there's some good mainstream ones now but the indie stuff I feel like few and far between right right well it seems like horror has really the horror film has kind of segued to the horror series like American Horror Story or you know things like that where they un furl characters over time throughout uh, a series of episodes, which is also, I think, a good thing that's changed since back then in the 80s and 90s. We didn't really have horror series. They were more anthologies with standalone stories. 100%. And fortunately and unfortunately, and you know, I'm a huge American Horror Story fan, but even those, like you look at, (laughs) I mean, look at the, I'm talking like the, the, negative part for someone like me as an actress I mean you're looking at a list you're Lady Gaga right mm-hmm. yeah. we're looking at like um I mean Kathy Bates and um I could go on and on and on I mean look at these A-list stars that are doing and who wouldn't want to do a Ryan Murphy show that's like my lifelong dream you know so that's where again the mainstream you know is there it's it's kind of and I say this off air and I say it on air and I share like I feel like the world has become and, and the entertainment business has become so much again of like the haves and have nots like the rest of the world you know that it's so hard to stay in that middle class zone and do quality work that actually gets a respected distribution deal you know when you don't have Kathy Bates or Lady Gaga you know right. or Finn Whitrock right like mm-hmm. in starring in your 
in your piece. Yeah. Um, well, before I let you go, um, it has been a pleasure, but I do have to wrap this up. <laughs> <laughs> this is the... Uh, I told you, Stace, we could talk forever. Uh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> uh, well, this is the Rock and Roll Nightmares podcast. So of course, uh, before I let you go, I have to ask, what is your rock and roll nightmare? I love this question and you did give me some prep on this one. So, so here's my one rock and roll nightmare that I actually become a real video vixen and I'm well known in the video rock world. And then later on, I suddenly appear as a real housewives of wherever. <laughs> That's my short version, but uh, yeah. I will, I will share a real quick story with you. Cause I did prep this too, that, um, and you had asked me when we were chatting about it too, like about a concert I went to or story. So I have to share this and this will, this will be a perfect wraparound ending too, because it's positive and, and shows where my heart is, which I would like the world to know. And Stacy always laughs with me that I'm such a philanthropist, but when I was in high school, really young, there was a hot Genesis concert in downtown Philly. And I went with two girlfriends and we were so pumped. And Genesis was like the jam back then. And we couldn't wait. And we knew someone who knew someone long story long, we were invited backstage after to meet the band. Mm -hmm. And I was with two of my best friends from high school. And this happened actually on another, this happened on, on a Lisa, Lisa Colt jam concert. Too. Oh my gosh. I remember that thing. Yeah. Of course you do. And so the Genesis concert, we're so excited and we get to the backstage and they go, you're only allowed two people backstage. Oh, yeah, I've been oh, there. <laughs> right. And Stacey knows me better than anyone. And of course, out of the kindness of my heart, my like my one girlfriend started crying. I was like, go, go. I'll go wait in the car. Or I'll sit on the bench here or whatever. Like, go, you guys go. And I pushed them in. They went in, met Genesis backstage. I didn't. They brought me an autograph out when they came Aww, back out. That's sweet. Right. And all was well in the world and everyone was happy. But um, so that was a nightmare, man. Like, I <laughs> yes. couldn't meet Genesis. What the hell? Oh, man. Oh, man. What a way to end it. But let's end it on a positive. I have a big heart. I may be quirky. I may be crazy. I may be stubborn like a Virgo is, like Stacey and I are, but we have conviction like we tell Nancy and <laughs> we have huge hearts. And I'm so grateful that I have you in my personal and professional world, Stace. And congratulations on this new show and all you do. And are we allowed to shout out to, can I have you shout out to, are we allowed to let anyone know when the Second Age of Aquarius releases? Um, well, actually, this show is probably going to be put just right after that because I will be editing episodes, so I'll be cutting out okay. this part. As a matter of fact, but <laughs> but yeah, Perfect. so we're thinking we're going to come out February 11th, and I have to move in January, so I probably will debut the show, eke out episodes, maybe late January, early February. So we don't know where okay. we're at, but okay, um, okay. Cool. So let me ask you the last question. Um, so where can people find you online? We talked about your social media anxiety. So let's have people bug you. 
<laughs> just please no more dms everyone i've had enough of 100 dms i do tons of autograph contests look on my on my feed um so i am at brooke lewis la on instagram where i'm most active also brooke lewis la on twitter and brooke lewis la on my facebook fan page and brooke is my actress and press website and phillychickpictures.com is my production website and missvampy.net or.com is missvampy and I always, always say hello back. So thank you everyone for supporting me. Thank you, Stacy, for supporting my career and collaborating with me. I love you. I love you too. And uh, you did mention that you uh, have some other films coming out. So before I really let you go, I want to know what else you've got coming up aside from the second age of Aquarius. Thank you so much. Quick shout outs to, again, we're such in this crazy sort of roller coaster like world right now still and things we shot that Stacey and I did together like Aquarius, you know, before the pandemic are now still being brought to fruition. So shout out to Joshua Butler's Red Rooms, a fun limited web series that will be out at some point in 2022. We're doing the film festival circuit right now. And shout out to Stripped that I mentioned earlier that I got to star in with Casper Van Dien, Mark Klebanoff project. I believe we are going to be shooting more episodes of this TV series, but no spoiler alerts to be had that will happen next year. And it will be out next year. And oh my gosh, so much. I, I have other like private projects that I can't reveal yet that I'm working on one big feature film that I've been working on for like a year now during wow. pandemic. Oh my god, craziness. And oh, shout out like I mentioned earlier to I forgot, last but not least, Greg Lamberson's Guns of Eden, I have been actually working as an executive producer, and helping him a bit and acting in this because he is such a godsend and let me act on green screen and directed me from New York to LA during wow. pandemic. So I know I've been really blessed. Oh, and Kurt Weisers, let me shout out. I forgot. I was so lucky to do this amazing web series virtually again. Uh, they're all amazing. I'm so blessed. I get to work with incredible people. Kurt Weisers, Leave Quietly. That will be out this year. And there's a lot. Wow. I mean, there's like a bunch of stuff that'll be finally releasing, but I need to fill in that gap. Wow. What gap? Yeah. <laughs> right? what gap? Because like, it'll look like on IMDb, like right now, this is like 2019. And then I won't have anything coming out until like 2022 here. So wow. it's craziness, but we yeah. all went through it and I've, I'm very blessed and we are blessed Stacy to have everything that we have at this time. I couldn't agree more. Thank you, Brooke. Thank you, Stacey. So much fun as we suspected. Yes, indeed. All right. And I will be sure and have you back you know, to talk about these projects after they come out. I cannot wait. Congratulations again, honey. What a fun, fun podcast. I'm so proud of you. And nobody has more knowledge of rock and movies and books and music than you, my friend. <laughs> oh, thank you. You're welcome. Love you. Love you too. As always, before I close the show, I'm going to share a paragraph from one of the Rock and Roll Nightmares books. This is an excerpt from the nonfiction edition, and the chapter is Tragedy. Terry Kapp, a founding member and lead guitarist of Chicago, died at the age of 31. He shot himself in the head while playing with a 9mm semi-automatic pistol at a party and expired instantly to the shock and horror of his fellow revelers. The well-regarded guitarist, who also sang, played banjo, accordion, bass, and drums, is best known for his intricate solo on the band's classic 25 or 624, and he is the lead vocalist on their hit, I'm a Man.
the Chicago native moved to sunny Southern California, and that's where he died. Kath regularly carried guns and did a lot of target shooting, so maybe it's not that unusual he brought a couple of firearms to the house party at the Woodland Hills home of Brody and band technician Don Johnson. No, not the actor. However, Tell Me, a song Kath sang and played lead on, was used in the final episode of Miami Vice. The man dubbed the White Ray Charles was horsing around at the gathering and showing off his weapons. He spun his 38 revolver on his finger, put it to his temple, and pulled the trigger to demonstrate that it wasn't loaded. It wasn't. Still, Johnson recalled that he warned Kath several times to be careful. His gun-toting pal just scoffed. According to Johnson, the guitarist picked up a semi-automatic 9mm pistol and, leaning back in a chair, declared, Don't worry about it. The clip is not even in it. His last words were, What do you think I'm going to do? Blow my brains out? This concludes another episode of Rock and Roll Nightmares. I'm your host, Stacey Lane Wilson. The theme song, Out for Blood, is composed and sung by Lars with a Z, Cabot, and the band is Fuzzbuster. You can hear the whole track in the horror comedy film, Valentine Days, also with a Z. For photos of the guests and show archives, please visit the website rockandrollthings.com. That's rock and roll with an N. You can also join the Rock and Roll Nightmares Facebook group or follow us on Instagram at Rock and Roll Nightmares Books. That's B-O-O-K-S. This is an indie podcast, so your subscriptions and ratings are really important. Thank you for joining me, and until next time... <laughs>